0: you're listening to the insight to action podcast my name is donna jones my work involves helping companies transform using pretty novel and fun ways from one state to another and of course on that topic with me today is dennis whitrock who has been doing a lot of work in the holacracy field particularly with the and also with the integral community in europe so dennis is based in uh, in germany he's a certified holacracy coach in germany So we're going to have a conversation today about what it's like implementing Holacracy in companies, because a lot of companies are looking for new self-management solutions. Uh, We did do a conversation on Zappos in my previous podcast, and also we did another conversation with uh, Tom Thomason on ENCO.org, which is um, the company that Dennis is a part of. So Dennis, welcome to the program. Let's have some fun chatting about what you're experiencing with with the implementation of Holacracy.
1: All right, thank you, uh, thank you for having me.
0: Well, let's start with the question around what makes companies choose holacracy over other things, because there are a number of other options. There's, there's, there's like the the free form model that um, that uh, Laurent Ledoux and I talked about the last time, where you just you just go in and use principal decision making. You, you've got uh, liquid organizations that Cocoon Projects works with. Um, there's so many different options. What, what makes them decide this is the one that I'm going to have a shot at uh, implementing and customizing?
1: I'm not sure I can speak for all these organizations that implement Holacracy, but currently the, the client I'm working with, they were looking for a model to, they, they, were, they were clear that they wanted to self-organize and that this was the, uh, the way, way ahead and, and the future and the future of work for them. They had some big company gathering where they kind of figured out kind of the principles of of how they want to work in the future and what it's going to be like. And self-management uh, or self-organization was a big one for them. They said, yeah, we, we're going to do that. Oh, OK. But how? Like, what exactly? Uh, how do we do that? It's like, yeah, it's it's good to have a vision and a goal. But um, eventually, you need to take some steps uh, toward it. And what they found is um, as you said, there are just different models out there. And they were looking for something that would be uh, robust and well described. Uh, Holacracy you just fit that bill because um, Holacracy, as you may know, is. Essentially, a practice in, uh, based on a rule set, which is explicit. And this rule set is the uh, holacracy constitution. So whenever you're uncertain, uh, is, is what we're doing really the thing? Is it holacracy? Are we playing by the rules of the, of the constitution or not? And uh, verify. For many companies experiment with their own stuff, and then they come up with something which is more or less documented, um, but holacracy is pretty strong on that one on that aspect um it's well documented and there's of course there's some couple hundred companies that are uh, also collecting experience with holacracy so it's not that you're alone and you're the only one doing it could also then um uh, compare and exchange with others and and learn from them and vice versa so that's i think that's what um Made my client decide. Yeah, let's go for Harkisi. Uh This is the only option we see that's feasible for a company of our size. Also, it's it's also a size thing. People like, the the client I'm working with is uh, actually they just recently bought another company, so they're now previously they were like around thousand people, but now they're around thousand three hundred people. They needed something that would scale up. And was robust and well uh, well defined. What well, I could see is um, fits that bill.
0: Tick those boxes. My lens is often decision making and leadership because those are the those are the places where you you pivot. You know you, you make big leaps. Of how did they actually communicate the decision? How did they you know get it started so that that employees knew what they were getting into? And did they have the kind of attrition rate that zappos experience when they first announced they were going to go ahead i think they lost something like 14 percent right away they just said because they were given that option you know if this doesn't work if you don't like the idea of doing uh this strike you know this structured process then you can bail and of course quite a few did what happened in the terms of the communication and how employees uh got engaged in the process
1: the idea to move forward with self-management and all those principles associated with it that was that came up like two years ago and they were experimenting with it before i was involved with them my colleague there a coach colleague he had started the whole process of decision making or kind of figuring out what to what to choose and all that before i entered the picture so in September he asked me to join and uh, support support him as an external freelance coach. It was kind of a, a gift for me. And all the difficult part convincing the board because holacracy is you know you cannot take a bottom up approach of implementing it. It's not like workers get together and decide, hey, let's let's uh, do this differently. <laughs> But you really have to get the buy-in from uh, from the board. And that had already happened. So there was no no resistance in that sense. That had to be worked through. It was already um, a done deal. I guess the question is, what led them to believe that self-management or self-organization is, is the path? I, I think that's the question here. Because once they figured that out, they uh, decided, okay, now we have to find a practical way to do this. Uh, which is why they landed with Galaxy. But um, I guess the, the the real question is why, why um, self-management? And I can only speculate because I actually don't know. My sense is as a fintech software-based, high, heavily software-based uh, company there, that they already have the agile kind of mindset and uh, you know, working with uh, frameworks like Scrum and Kanban and all that stuff, so that was already kind of in their the cultural vicinity of their thinking and the next step to lacquacy is that is isn't the big one if you're already working like that you know that's
0: interesting because it, you know we have a lot of conversations around agile i was speaking at the mob programming conference down in boston and and just you know looking at what is the when you start implementing anything new what is the mindset that 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 keeps things open and receptive like how what how does that come about really from moving from a more traditional framework where everybody's trying to control everybody else to something where everybody's working with everybody else. It's a considerable shift. So how did you get started when you came in? What what happened? Like how, how did you, what role did you find yourself playing? What were people struggling with? Were they struggling at all? Because there's this illusion that holacracy is, uh, has not, it's not, it's flat and it's all mush.
1: Yeah, right. Okay. There's, there's common confusions about holacracy, but um, so far, what people were most struggling with, of course, was uh, was first of all understanding how is this new game to be played? What's this new language that we're supposed to speak? And for us, the question was, how can we uh, make it make it more of an something that's experientially verifiable versus something that we just lecture about and um, kind of impose on them and create resistance around. <laughs> When I came into the picture, they they had already started setting up the the top circle of the company, running uh, different meetings, running the meeting processes that Holacracy defines, which are constitutionally required. One is the operational and one is the governance, the technical and the governance meeting processes. The one is working within the organization. The other is working on the organization, on the structures, roles, authorities, so it's um, this, that's kind of the basic some of the basics of alacrity for for those listeners who who may not have uh, heard about it. So they, uh, they had already started creating uh, initial governance, as we call it, setting up some uh, roles, meaning like translating the recurring activities and functions uh, of the organization at the highest level into um, roles, and roles are roles of the organization that means functions that are needed to express the purpose of the organization so they started with that and from there actually i joined and we started rolling it out let's say downwards from there tackling the layers below that and setting up the circles uh, below the the board circle basically with um Mm. with the same process where we would go in um, and first of all give them a taster workshop uh, ideally uh, where possible, having them experience the new meeting methods and have them uh, give them the opportunity to ask questions and uh, voice concerns and, and all that, and later taking the well the team lead the former team lead and and uh, simply say, okay, yeah, you are the, the lead link of the circle, so that's, the, that's a, an important role in Malacracy, so- making them lead link and say, okay, now your job is to structure the work of the circle. And actually, what we try to do is, is just map the existing uh, work into roles and accountabilities, recurring activities, and then uh, create something like an initial circle uh, structure or governance of that circle. And once that's set up, um, you start playing the game. You first you just assume that the the, the current structure is the requisite structure. Uh, hint: it's not. <laughs> uh, so, and the difference uh, you feel and or the difference between those structures between the requisite and the the currently existing one is being uh, felt in tensions. So people feel tensions, say, hey, this is not working. Or um I got stuck here, or there's a role missing, or is an accountability missing? And that's where you that's what you take as those tensions you take to power the organization and the organizational change. So you funnel those tensions through the processes and it spits out um, a more requisite structure in the end. So it's a yeah, that's how it works. Once we got them started, we, um, we in parallel we started, training the people uh, in the facilitation role. There's another role that's important in Holacracy. It's the facilitator who's um, holding to the rules of the game throughout the meetings. And the meetings are central in Holacracy. There's a lot that happens outside of meetings. <laughs> just, just want to make sure to mention that because many people just see the meeting processes and think, oh, I have to bring everything to the meeting and everything's meeting center. It's not. Actually, it's meetings are fallbacks. People go there only if they need to synchronize or uh, solve tensions that they cannot solve otherwise. Because, of course, once you defined all the authority and and distributed it uh, to the people, that means people who are authorized to just act and decide don't have to ask anybody for anything. They just can go and do their work and that's that's uh that's of course the benefit of, of self organization no need no need to um cc everybody or ask for consent or or ask the boss to give permission or something everything's allowed which is not explicitly forbidden or against the rule rule of constitution or or a self given rule that the organization gave itself to protect itself so apart from that, you're free to do anything so that liberates some some free energy and creativity and people empowers them yeah so we set up the, these facilitation trainings and train them to hold to process and you know challenge them with all kinds of situations so that they would be able to get a enough safety to to start uh, holding the process and making their own experiences because holacracy is a practice and you have to get people uh, who are facil- facilitating the process to a level where they they feel safe enough to try. And once once they they have that that level, they they can they can ask for help. They can you know you can give them resources, or they can ask the coaches. Um, they can get their get help. But you don't want them to fail. You know you don't want them to stand in front of a group and say, uh um, I don't know. Uh, oh by the way this. This process sucks, or something that that's that's to be avoided. So you got to give them some proper training, and then um, we're in a phase where um, there's done like five internal trainings so far, and there's uh, many dozens of facilitator trained facilitators, and they can start also to help each other out. Once they ideally there's more than one trained facilitator in one each circle so they can kind of self-correct also, uh, and others are starting to learn the rules of the game too. In the end, we hope to set up a self-reinforcing structure that kind of just tugs along, right? We're now looking into other aspects, um, namely also inspired by the work with ENCODE. The question was always, okay, how can we also cover the the. interior dimension that uh, holacracy just leaves undefined like how do you deal with personal tensions because um holacracy introduces the differentiation of role and soul which means all your tensions that are role related are you you have a space for them to process uh, and all the not role related tensions mainly personal or interpersonal tensions there is no defined space for them to process them. So you better get those forums or um, ways of processing those in place, which is what we're looking at next. Also uh, providing trained coaches, uh, personality coaches, getting that in place. And we'll get a training from my uh, co- colleague at ENCODE, um, who developed um, the language of spaces, which is an interesting tool or framework that helps um, differentiate what kind of tension is it or is it organizational is it interpersonal is it personal or is it parts of these and where do i address parts of the each each part uh, appropriately and that takes of course time to learn but so yeah it's a lot of a lot of change for sure for people so far the resistance was really low acceptance was pretty high There is, um, at least in the the major part of the organization, so you must understand that there's one big holding company, which is HypoPort AG, uh, which is um, listed in the stock in the German stock market. And then there's like 16 subsidiary companies all under that roof. And so they have four main business units one is a credit platform. Then they serve private clients, then they serve institutional clients, and they also uh, are just building an insurance platform. So, and they're acquiring different smaller software companies and merging them and, and so on. So, there's a lot going on, a lot of moving parts. The part I was working on was just one of the 16 units, the biggest one, uh, bigger one, and then there's the mergers. They are trying to build this insurance platform where you can compare insurance helps customers compare insurances and gives them advice on what, what which which to select and so on. A lot of that is software supported. They bought a lot of companies that do that and of course it's diverging cultures and that's gonna be the more complex part. I've seen some some people or heard some tensions from those. It's gonna be interesting to see how to align both at the same? Well, so first of all, it's it's a new framework for those uh, companies to to work under. It's it's holacracy and not no longer top down management. Then they have to they're thrown in into one bucket with uh, five other companies that were their competitors before, <laughs> and they have old clients and they are supposed to develop a new uh, platform together and share resources and synergize and all that. So. Yeah, <laughs> it's going to be going to be complex. And I hope my hope is and their hope is also too that um, Holacracy can be a common language uh, that could help process a lot of these tensions. But for sure, there's going to be some cultural things, too, and some maybe personal tensions arising.
0: That would make complete sense. I mean, I, I framed this uh, this section. That's why I wanted to have the conversation with you today for for my listeners because I call it the messy middle. We've got the old and we've got the new, and and in between is that messy transformational part that that uh, you know has all sorts of. T- and I love the word tensions. I mean, uh, James Priest of Sociocracy 3.0 talks about tensions. I was in Stockholm in 2015, and we were did a full you know workshop with in in Crisp on on s3 and and the languaging and the processes and i love the word tension because my own work has involved redirecting conflict you know things where where instead of actually developing processes to work it through they just watched it get get worse (laughs) worse and worse and worse and then by that time you're, you're actually having to re you know reconstruct and it's much more difficult but doable but more difficult so it's it's always nice to know it's nice and refreshing when things, words like tensions allow you to consciously and intentionally tackle what's working underneath the surface and impacting people's relationships with themselves, but also in terms of how's my power being used? How do I see myself? What's my identity in this environment? Uh, who am I? And, and all these kinds of personal questions. And then of course, the ones that go with relationship, you know, how, how do do, can we work together? And, and is there a leader? And what, what does leadership mean here? And how do I, you know, how do I lead without authority? And so these are the, the, the persnickety, more challenging questions, I think, that come from moving from a highly structured, well, it, it's, a, it's an environment where you're not responsible, the, the boss is responsible, to, right. one, to one where you're completely responsible.
1: Well, it's, it's, it's more structured, even one could argue, it's there's more structure than in conventional organizations. Things are much more explicit and you cannot hide behind um yeah the manager effectively so you are taking uh, you are uh, supposed to lead your role it's expected that you process tensions on behalf of your role and that you uh, also individually um your individual self organization that you get your act together so, so you need to practice some form of getting things done uh something that helps you give transparency into Current projects and actions you're tracking, and uh, at any point in time, essentially, because otherwise there is no conscious uh, choice making in pulling work uh, from from the queue. Otherwise, you just blind blindly <laughs> working in a way. So you need some conscious establish some conscious workflows. I think people will learn to appreciate that, even if they are skeptical now at the moment, because actually, yeah, it's it brings more clarity. You get, it brings more agility. You learn a certain discipline uh, for yourself, which also might benefit your private life. <laughs> you get role clarity. You, you really learn to work on a, a peer-to-peer basis where everyone is leading their roles and everybody's following the lead of the other roles, ideally in the end. There's a lot that's being reframed, which is uh, at first is uncomfortable, understandably, because we just would like things to continue the way they, they were.
0: But the, poten- the potential for growth, though, is huge. So, I mean, that is the, the big door. You're moving from an environment where your growth is being defined to an environment where your growth is unlimited. It really just is it's up to you to decide how much you want to challenge yourself. How do you want to use that zone between comfort and the familiar, the unfamiliar, the comfortable, and the, and the fresh and the novel?
1: Yeah, I think polycy is a unique way of balancing order and chaos. You you could think because this, that's a big polarity. So if you have a very top-down structured organization, that's there's a high degree of order in a sense. In a sense, yeah, you have to ask for, for permission for any for everything. <laughs> so it's like with that is tends towards the, the negative pole of of order, which is rigidity, and and it gets boring and innovation stales and so on. If you now move into the uh, anarchistic direction, say, okay, to hell with all, uh, all hierarchy and you throw out all structure and we just work wild and free. Uh, yeah, well, that's that's not helping really because that that just leads to chaos. And, and chaos, yeah, everything's so new and so unpredictable that, yeah, it's just overwhelming and you you don't have a good structure to hold it. Human beings and beings in general don't like that. <laughs> so the the question is, how do you balance those two? And holacracy allows you both to be highly structured in a sense of we know exactly what which role uh, is accountable and what where the limits of authority are and um, who owns which domain of work. And at the same time, everything is... Adaptive, adaptable, and you really steer your work dynamically. Uh, you can really respond intelligently to stimuli from the environment. The organization can wake up uh, in a way, have more feedback loops with the outer world and the yeah, other systems surrounding it. It's a weird mix. It's, it's highly super structured. At the same time, it's it's a really variable highly variable so whatever you throw in it'll it gets processed in some ways you can rely on that that's great because that gives you order that gives you some structure At the same time yeah you can throw anything at it and, and it, it'll pop out an answer it's uh it's magic in a way so um yeah
0: earlier you talked about gtd getting things done i took the abbreviation out T- tell us more
1: So GTD, a shorthand for getting things done. uh, It's a a methodology uh, by David Allen, wrote a popular book. Uh, I can recommend it to anybody. It helps you to set up, if you're so inclined, (laughs) to set up a system of dynamic workflow. Um, So basically, yeah, it helps you to self-organize your own life, essentially. Uh, So because people if you look at it people have some tools for self-organization like oh yeah i have a calendar of course that's kind of obvious everybody needs a calendar i have a to-do list somehow uh, yeah i write up uh, yeah i can't hold all these ideas in my mind and uh or all these things i want to do i can remember all of them so it's yeah it makes sense to do it make a to-do list but that's about kind of the level people um kind of operate at david allen kind of tweaks it and and expands on it and helps you to actually externalize all the things you don't need to hold in your your mind your brain and so as to free you up and free up your creative potential to actually go and create stuff because your mental ram is not clogged with all that uh, other stuff so yeah essentially it's also a methodology to help you process stuff dynamically you, th- you throw stuff at it and then you process this in, in a different way and in a certain way, like, just like a holacracy meeting process. You, you can throw in anything, you process it in, into clarity. And you, you don't actually do the work, but you define the work. That's the, the kind of the gift. So you, you get front end clarity of some in, in, email comes into your, your inbox, you become your own executive, make an exec, executive decision on it. Like, okay, what is this? Is it a project? Is it an action? Do I need to put it into reference? Is it trash? So um, that gives you a lot of clarity and unburdens your, your your mind. So I can just, you know, recommend go get that book, read it. You won't regret getting things done from Dave Allen. Okay, excellent. Basically, it's embedded in, implicitly in the Holacracy Constitution and in the meeting processes, uh, the, so that the style they, they deal with technical operations is uh, directly inspired from that. And it's no wonder that the David Allen Company, they adopted Holacracy as a, to run their operations and, and run their, their, their business. So, yeah, that's an interesting one.
0: Yeah, exactly. Now, you, you've you got the Integral Conference coming up. Can you give us a quick note on that and, uh, and anything else you'd like to add?
1: The Integral European Conference... In Hungary, close to Budapest, uh, it's an international gathering of hundreds of integralists from all over the world who gather biannually just to present to each other what's new in their field. So the integral approach, mainly inspired by Ken Wilber, but also a lot of other authors and philosophers and writers refer to it as a view of everything. Uh, it's, a, it's a lens that uh, helps you see wholeness in what others may see as disparate or, or as fragmented patterns. There's a lot of fields that are being reformulated. Business, spirituality, uh, economics, uh, education, all kinds of applications of this um, theory of everything, as we can call it. And those people um, who are interested in that are a gathering there in, in the hundreds I used to co-direct that e- event, created it with, a, with my colleague in, in, in Hungary, Ben Saganti. And it's it's usually a very fun event to hang out, there's concerts and all all kinds of stuff. So it's really great. And uh, yeah, check it out, com if you're interested. You can meet me there and ask me about Holacracy.
0: Okay, thank you, Dennis. Any uh, particular place you'd like to send people for more information?
1: I will send you my personal link uh, in the show notes. Um, the page is in German, <laughs> if you don't mind. Um, and uh, if you're interested in the work of encode.org, which is um, kind of the the, uh, the company that I'm working for, which takes uh, looks at kind of the broader patterns of self-organization that are still unaddressed, they have been catalyzed by Holacracy, but they're unaddressed as social, financial, and legal contexts that are still requiring some upgrade, too. Uh, not just the work, uh, which Holacracy upgraded, but also the other structures around it. If you're interested in that, check out nco.org. up hope to, to meet you maybe at the Integral European Conference or send me an email. Thanks so much for uh, this conversation.
0: Thanks very much, Dennis, for being on the program. I'm finding more and more companies are exploring, whether they're at the startup stage or in the middle of it, uh, alternative ways of governing themselves. And I think you'll find when, you know, maybe holacracy is a bit too stiff for you because it's extremely explicit, extremely structured, but there's other options available. As I'm listening to this interview, back over this interview for about the third time now, I'm realizing that there are some threads that tie them all together. Structurally, that is, that make them all hang together. It doesn't matter whether it's a customized governance model that people made up, like Fractal Fractal Evolution, the fractal model that came out of uh, uh, Map Black Systems, which is on my other podcast. And I'll be putting a playlist together, by the way, to make it easier for you, and also putting a a little bit of a a book of the transcripts together as well. Uh, Point is that there are threads that come together. So I hope you enjoyed the program. Please share, spread the word. I'd super appreciate it. I know how to do content. I'm not as good at marketing. And so I definitely need listeners' help for that. And I want to thank you very much for joining me today. You'll find me on Twitter at E-P-D-A-W-N-A underscore Jones. You'll find me on LinkedIn. And of course, you'll find me speaking and doing workshops on the advanced skills, the highly advanced skills of working uh, as a you know, take your whole self to work as a leader, but as one that's very comfortable with complexity, very comfortable with uncertainty and ambiguity. So thanks again. Uh, Websites from insighttoaction.com. Look forward to meeting you in two more weeks.